Yaakov was very afraid, and he was disturbed. Rashi makes an enormously powerful uh, comment here. He says that Yaakov's fear, Vayira, was lest he be killed, and Vayetzerlo, that his disturbance, I suggest moral disturbance, was lest he kill. The question I want to ask now is, how do these two emotions of Yaakov, the fear lest he um, be killed, and the um, the disturbance lest he kill, how do they work out in the uh, in the full story of Yaakov's confrontation with Esav? And specifically, I want to know whether Rashi's introduction of the fear lest he kill is textually justified. Is it just that I'm attracted to the moral point, or is it actually central to the entire story? So we're going to start with Rashbam, who I think addresses an aspect of the story on the surface better than any other commentary, uh, but also in ways that I find are really incompatible with the text as a whole. So Rashbam asks why, when Yaakov wrestles with the angel at the end of the story, why does the angel wish to be let go uh, when morning comes? The, the Midrash to resolve this issue says that the angel says, this is my one morning to give, uh, right, to give praise to God. But that obviously has to be given a deeper meaning. Why is it that the angel comes to wrestle with Yaakov on the one day that uh, is supposed to give um, to give praise to God? And is there something that is necessary for the angel to go through before the angel can um, can give praise to God? So Rishbam does not give an answer on that level at all. Rishbam says that ya- that Yaakov was so afraid that he was going to run away uh, rather than confront Esav. But in the morning, it would be too late for him to flee. So the angel comes to prevent Yaakov from fleeing that night, from joining uh, the rest of his belongings and people uh, in flight uh, across the river in flight. And so when morning comes, the angel says, set, set me free because my purpose here has, uh, has been accomplished. In other words, the, um, the angel essentially won the wrestling battle because Yaakov is there. Now, one of the reasons that this is difficult is that the angel's words to Yaakov suggest that Yaakov won the battle with the angel. So how can Rashbam read the story that uh, the angel won the battle? The second is that I think it's straightforward shot in the story as um, in, the, in the footsteps of Chazal, Nechama Leibowitz pointed out, and this has been spectacularly developed by Dr. Aviva Zornberg, the angel has to be within Yaakov. Yaakov is left alone, and he wrestles with the angel. And the part of him that he wrestles with has to be what Chazal called the Tarosh al-Esav, or it has to be an avatar, a representative of Esav, meaning, as Dr. Zorenberg again beautifully develops, that in the aftermath of, the, of Yaakov's pretending to be Esav to get the bracha, he wonders whether it was an act or whether... He really is Esav in a sense. They really are twins. He's struggling to deal with the aspect of himself that could do this. Um, and the and the wrestling match with the Malach is an, is an effort by Yaakov to, or necessi- is necessary for Yaakov to integrate um, that part of himself into his character. Now, how does that fit with Rashbam? Uh, Rashbam says that Yaakov is seeking to overcome his fear and his cowardice. But nothing in the narrative of Sumash that we have seen 
suggest that Esav represents fear or cowardice. Now, I would also point out that Rashbam's reading is diametrically opposed to Rashi in another way. Rashi famously says that why is Yaakov left alone? Because he came back, having thought that he had transported everything that belonged to him, he came back for his pachim ketanim, for his small flask. And the eternal question is, why would Yaakov come back for his small flask? So I want to suggest that the purpose of that is to tell you that Yaakov is not panicking. Panicking people flee and leave behind everything they don't absolutely have to take. But Yaakov is reacting calmly throughout. And that, I think, ties in with Rashi's reading throughout the story. Because when Rashi says at the very beginning, Yaakov prepares for, um, for bribery, for prayer, and for battle, um, he is not, uh, um, so he's not planning to flee the battle. Rather, Rashi says he divides his camp in two, and if Esav comes to one of them, the other camp that he divided himself into will flee. So the way Rashi understands this, Yaakov divides his goods into, and he sort of preserves a mobile force, and whichever camp Esav attacks, Yaakov will come to the defense of, and that camp may be damaged in the course of the battle, but the other camp will be able to flee, and Yaakov, and Yaakov is not worried at this point about what will happen to him in the battle. He's just setting up a pragmatic strategy to ensure that he doesn't lose all his goods because whatever, right, because Esau will attack something and he's not likely to escape um, economically undamaged by that. So the reading of, ya- of Rashi all the way through is that Yaakov is not panicked. Yaakov is not in fear. In other words, that he has overcome Vayira Yaakov Ma'od, as opposed to Rashbam, who thinks that the purpose for the angel coming is to prevent Yaakov from surrendering to his fear. But if that's not correct, if the angel is not coming to prevent Yaakov from surrendering to his fear, and yet Rashbam has a very good point that it seems that the purpose of the angel is to keep Yaakov from avoiding the confrontation, well then it seems to me that the remaining purpose for the angel is to keep Yaakov from surrendering to his vayetzer though, from surrendering to his fear of killing. Now what does that mean? Yaakov learned from the story of the brachot that there is something within him which is capable of causing damage to others for his own self-interest. Right? The Nitziv said that um, Yaakov is eventually punished because he gets a certain amount of joy of schadenfreude out of the Tzakag Dolal Marah that Esav, uh, that Esav screams. And Yaakov yeah. is deeply disturbed at what this means for who he is, by Yetzir But the problem is that moral disturbance at having to do things that damage others in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in pursuit of the right is paralyzing just as fear of being, but fear of killing can be as paralyzing as fear of being killed. And so Yaakov, if Yaakov's only reaction to this is to run away whenever he is confronted with, uh, with hard choices, so Yaakov will never be great. And therefore, the angel that he wrestles with, the angel which is the ace of inside him, and eventually he has to integrate, they fight to, right, so they fight to withdraw um, until the point where he is, re- what that means is that he has to, right, that he has to wrestle until the point where he has to confront it. But here's the thing. It turns out in the end 
that both of Yaakov's fears are wrong. That in his confrontation with Esav, he does not he is not killed, and he does not have to say it. There is a third way, or maybe maybe there isn't even a third. Maybe there was never a risk in the first place, according to those commentaries who believe that Esav comes only because Yaakov sent him messengers, and otherwise uh, otherwise Esav would never have bothered coming to confront Yaakov at all. Maybe a reason for that is that a person who has not in any way integrated the Yetzirah, um, who is incapable of recognizing that sometimes you have to make hard decisions, also assumes that anyone who is at all willing to harm them is also just surrendering to their baser impulses and could not possibly um, be acting as an integrated person who has both good and evil in them. And the irony is, therefore, when confronting by such a, confronted by such a person, you have only two choices. Either kill or be killed because there is no basis for conversation. There is no commonality among you. And that's what Yaakov thinks that Esav is. Because Yaakov sees the Esav within him as a completely untamable beast. So maybe it's the, it's the wrestling match with the angel where Yaakov understands that the angel is part of him is what enables Yaakov to have a, to have a confrontation with Esav which results neither in killing or be killed and what generates the choice is, Yaak- is the lack of integration in Yaakov's self. Now there's something worse than a lack of integration Worse than, a, than, a, um, than worse than a lack of integration is that at the very beginning of the process there is no vayetzerah. You don't uh, right, you don't uh, you don't understand how terrible it is to be in a situation where you have to damage somebody else for your own interests. It's also important to be afraid, um, right? As uh, Plato you know, puts in the mouth of Socrates that only philosophers can generally have courage because they know what it is that it, right they know they know what it is that you're losing when you lose when you lose life because they they understand the value of life you don't have to accept socrates claim to understand the difference between having courage and being a fool to be a hero a genuine hero you have to be afraid first and then overcome your fear not be a fool who does not think that the loss of life is something to fear and by the same token to be a moral hero to be um, what Yaakov Avinu becomes, you have to be terrified, or at least profoundly disturbed, of the prospect that you would kill somebody else for your own good. And then you have to be able to overcome that, as Lincoln said, to have um, firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right. People who don't understand that the ability to make hard decisions involves harnessing the ace of Linu, um, harnessing your Yetzirah and just make such decisions as if there is no cost. Don't recognize that the person on the other side of the equation is also B'Tzal Melokim. Such people are moral monsters. People who are incapable of making hard decisions are not going to be moral heroes. The overall story of Yaakov and Esau and Yaakov and the Malach is the capacity to recognize that this is a Yetzirah and also to recognize that to be a full moral human involves harnessing your Yetzirah and not simply uh, overcoming it, but involves uh, wrestling it to a draw, uh, so to speak. But not quite a draw, because Yaakov can't leave. 
and um, the angel the angel accomplishes that much. But at the same time, at the end, Yaakov wins because the angel wants to leave and be free. Now that the confrontation has been enabled, Yaakov should be free of any moral qualms. And the answer, uh, the, the angel wants to be free, and Yaakov says, "No, you can't leave." So in the end, Yaakov, I think, does win. The angel remains inside him and not as a free actor. And the moral of the story is that to be Yaakov Avinu, you have to be afraid because you have to know what the risk is of losing of, lo- of losing um, your life. And the counter to that, as Rishon correctly points out, but I think not in the correct context, uh, is the faith that this is what God requires of you. And it also requires profound moral disturbance at the notion that doing what you believe is right will cause harm to others, and yet the ability to uh, to make hard decisions. Given a choice, I would rather the person who can't make a hard decision than the person who makes the hard decision without the Yetzirah, but the ideal is an integrated trust.